Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. And today we are talking with a very, very special man. But before that, let's meet and say hello to our panelists for this episode. Today we have uh, Charles Maxwell. Hey everybody. <laughs> it's, it's weird to not be, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Eames. Hey everybody. And this isn't weird at all. Alyssa Nichols. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and, <laughs> and today's guest is Andrew Evans from the very popular blog, I should say, blog um, medium uh, like group, Angular in Depth. And so, Andrew, do you mind sharing a few? Oh, oh by the way, I'm Shai Resnick and I'm super sick. That, that's why my voice sounds so uh, romantic. I'm Shai Resnick from HiRes.io, so let's start the episode. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open sourced Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So, Chuck, I, I would let you do the talking because I'm, yeah, my voice is, uh, is like this. Sounds good. Yeah. So there's a Medium article. I guess it's Angular in depth. I, I was like, oh, yeah, I know this one. You talked basically about, uh, uh, well, DevOps. I think that's a four-letter word for uh, developers or some developers. Let's get to know Andrew before the, before the post. Like, who are you, Andrew? He's famous. Everybody knows Andrew. Yeah, everybody, everybody but, but there might be one or yeah. two people. So go ahead, Andrew. No, for the yeah. people who don't know, I'm, I'm you yeah, know, I'm asking for the three people who don't know. Yeah, that, that, that's good. We, we need to fill them in. So, um, yeah, so I'm Andrew Evans. Uh, I'm a um, software engineer. I, I work for Capital One here in Richmond, Virginia. I have been uh, developing or in software for I guess just about eight years. I uh, actually started. Uh, as a um, designer, I worked for a um, government contractor in Newport News, Virginia, and um, went back and I got a master's in computer science uh, and went and worked in their IT department for a while doing inventory management and essentially like connecting a lot of old systems to a lot of new stuff that they buy. And when I got to just about the senior level there, I realized that I didn't want to be a manager. Uh, and I actually also got married at the time. And so uh, all these things happened and, you know, I realized this was a good time to, to make a transition. So I, I looked at um, a lot of different places and uh, Capital One, you know, had the best offer and they, they gave me a lot of opportunities to work in, in DevOps, which is like what we're talking about today, but also about like cloud technologies and a lot of things that I wanted to grow on. And, you know, it was a chance to, to learn a lot and to do a lot of cool stuff. So I, I came up here 
And so ever since then, I've, I've been there for, it'll be two years in June. And I've um, gotten into blogging for originally just for like myself. And then uh, I got to know Todd Palmer. He's one of the big contributors to Angular in Depth. He invited me to contribute. And that's like, you know, obviously one of the reasons I'm here. But I love learning about technology, talking about technology and, and writing about technology. So that's pretty much me. And uh, that's just about it. Where, where do we want to go from here? Uh, tell tell us where you were born, and oh. um, <laughs> you want the whole life story. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, your but, social yeah. security number, your mother's maiden name. <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta. No, I forgot that. I gotta. I gotta go look it up. Hold on. Yeah. No. So uh, what? What was the? Uh, so you wrote a, a medium post, right? right. About uh, how to deploy to Firebase, basically. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. So can you give us just like a quick background to those of us, like the three people who haven't read the post? Sure, absolutely. Firebase, uh, well, it also it started with uh, some of the guys that I work with were telling me about Firebase, and they said that there was this cool new thing that was available that, that let you quickly, you know, spin up cloud infrastructure and be able to um, do a lot, of, a lot of really cool stuff without a lot of work. And, you know... If you've ever done stuff like Jenkins or any of the kind of old school or older like pipeline technologies, you realize that like this is can be kind of a pain, especially when you get into like Terraform or any type of um, like scripting build. And so I kind of dove into Firebase just originally to playing with it, and then I just saw how like awesome it was. I mean, Firebase is like magic. Like you can, there's a lot of things that you can do very quickly. And they have a CLI that allows you to do everything from just regular like deployments, which is like what I'm talking about today. But you can also leverage uh, Firebase functions, which are basically like like almost kind of like lambdas, and they integrate with uh, like a database instance, and you can use uh, they have like machine learning, and they have a lot of different functionalities that you you can leverage pretty easily, and it's all free. The um, I mean it's within limits. When you get there's a certain I forget the cap, but there's a certain limit that you can only have like five applications or something like that. And I actually exceeded that. And um, you can actually reach out directly to Google and they'll open it up for you to have more if you're learning or doing something like that, which is what most of what I've, I've done with Firebase. Now I've kind of gotten into the point where I'm like taking it a little bit more seriously and I'm actually working on a project, a side project that's actually going to be completely in Firebase. And it's a great platform to get up and running. And it's also a great platform for new people that, that aren't quite as familiar with um, like CICD or, or like any type of cloud deployment to be able to quickly see it in action. And there's really not that large of a learning curve, which kind of makes it, it fun. On the flip side, uh, Circle CI is also free. And it's also something that, that basically obfuscates a lot of the pain that you have with um, Jenkins or like Heroku or, or one of the other platforms where you don't have to do all this like configuration. You can basically just uh, in like one YAML file, you, you define like the steps of your pipeline and you can get up and running pretty quick. And there's really solid documentation with CircleCI. And I was also like, if you have errors, their error messages are pretty solid. So you, in a pretty quick turnaround, you can get up and running with both of these technologies. And the coolest part is that, you know, if you're new to cloud operations or, or cloud technologies, like you get a sense of like best practices and you also get a sense of just like how to leverage a lot of this stuff without a lot of the overhead. Like I, like at Capital One, uh, Jenkins was like my first kind of official introduction to, to cloud deployments because in my government contracting job, everything was on-prem. The company served about 20,000 people. So we had a, 
fairly robust, you know, customer base or whatever you want to call it. But like we still everything we had a data center, you know, we had everything. So the idea of a cloud thing was was totally new to me. And then and so it took me, I would say, probably about a year really to get to the point where I felt proficient in Jenkins. And with Circle CI, it took me like maybe like a month. Like it was crazy. Like it, it's just so like, you know, it's it's just very easy to get into, and it and it really is. A, it's just a great platform to learn on. Yeah, we've done some episodes on uh, Firebase, and we'll put the links to those in the show notes. But generally, it was more around the database API technology and uh, Angular Fire. Yeah, I don't know if you saw in the Google Doc. I actually did another post recently for Angular in Depth using Angular Fire. I was doing exactly that. I was leveraging their database for and showing how easy it was to integrate their uh, their cloud functions basically into your code base by just using the objects they give you. Like they have an authentication object, you know, they have a file they have a file object that you use use the file store, and it, it's like you don't have to. You don't have to wrap all these in like HTTP calls or, or like create like a service or something. You can just directly use the, the Angular Fire library, which is, is really cool. Nice. We'll have to link that up as well. Yeah, One I think thing- I, get, I gave you a link uh, in the Google Doc. When you, so, sorry, let me cut you off. No, it's all good. Yeah, we'll, we'll pull it out of the Google Doc to make sure people can find it. The thing that I get into with this, and this is something we really don't talk about a lot on the show, is the DevOps end of things where... You know, at this point, you you do the commit, Circle CI picks it up, and then it just gets pushed to Firebase. Right. And yeah. I love just the it. automatic feel of that. I mean, I've used Netlify before, and it's the same kind of thing there, right, where it builds my uh, static site and then pushes it up. And yeah, and then I don't have to worry about the ops team screwing up my, li- you know, my app or you know, I don't have to go beg anybody to put the library on there I need for the backend system. It just kind of just does its thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's the like coolest part about um, Firebase, and and the and the, really it's neat because they've using their CLI. You, you can do all of that. You don't even need like Circle CI. The advantage of having integrating Circle CI is you can have all the other things that you would normally have with a pipeline to include you know your end-to-end tests and your unit tests and like any type of like if you want to if you need to like keep some kind of track of the commit history and that kind of stuff you you can add those like steps they allow you to build the stages in the pipeline so that that you can just run all of this as as a um literally like you said as soon as you make a commit it kicks off and and you're ready to go yeah so in terms of uh i don't know like maybe large uh, or like a bigger scale workflow for deployment. Have you got the chance to like test one of those? Because this is where I think Jenkins uh, shines. If you (laughs) invest the time to learn all the different stuff you need to learn in Jenkins, but when you have like more complicated workflows. So have you had the chance to like test, uh, uh, I don't know, like a longer workflow or something like that? Yeah. Um, so I haven't really gotten to do most of the stuff I've done with Circle CI has been like kind of one off type things where it's like a, a small app. Um, I actually just linked uh, a weather app in the Google Doc if you wanted to check it out that I'm, I'm working on right now that uses NGRX. 
it's kind of started as a, actually the basis for another blog post I'm doing for um, Capital One's um, blog. And then I just kind of ran with it because I was having fun and I, I built it out to be a, a little bit more robust. And that that one actually is like what I would consider like a full feature, you know, pipeline. And, and I'm, I'm building in tests and I'm, you know, I'm treating it like an actual project versus just like a, a toy project. But in terms of like larger workflows, the most of my experience has been with Jenkins because that's what we use at, at Capital One. And I, and I was on... I've been on a team that we worked, we supported a, an app that like we had to do regular deployments and we we had a lot of different um, compliance guidelines with the tests that we had. And then uh, like any types of, you know, we have like alerts and we're using AWS. So it, it was uh, utilizing a lot of different pieces of AWS infrastructure to include like lambdas and um, notifications and that kind of stuff. But the experience that I've had, had with that is, is I think you're right. Uh, you know, Jenkins definitely like, I think kind of owns a lot of the market for that, but I would argue that that the ease at which you can use Circle CI makes it definitely like a competitor. And and I think that most of the people I've talked to said that I think the the adoption problem with Circle CI is just the uh, license fees because I think that the I've heard and and I you know I haven't actually like I said I've I've only done small projects so I don't I've never had to do it as like a like a full on business, but I'm I've heard that that both their license fees are expensive, but I've also heard their license fees are fairly reasonable. So I think it depends on your use case, um, where you're coming from, and, and what you're trying to accomplish with the pipeline. Well, and I'll also chime in. I've set up Jenkins within my, co- you know, within companies I worked at, and that's not always fun either. Uh, well, and the worst part is that, like, a lot of times with Jenkins, uh, you know, things will fail, and it just like it just won't be readily apparent. Like you'll just get like like you would have. We we at Capital One we use um, we have like a, a pre-configured library of like Groovy scripts that we can rely on, and a lot of those are built out pretty well. They're pretty solid. You use them, understanding that what it's going to look like if it's going to error. But there have been you know several times where it was you know it would be a couple of days we were trying to debug something, and we and we just you know either you can't recreate it, or when you do recreate it, you just it just shuts off. You know like the node doesn't work or, or, or the, um, you know, we had a lot of problems with, we, we have a, an agent that we use for authentication and one of the agent we were using, it, it basically, it's supposed to operate one way in the pipeline, it operates a different way. And so it's like, you know, that, that kind of thing is just, uh, and, and that's where I would say that Circle CI definitely has a strength because just every time I've had a problem, like, it's just really easy to understand. Even like, like I had a problem with SAS the other day and it gave me like specifically like what where the problem was occurring and, and using the the uh, console output, I was able to backtrack it to debug where it was in the um, project. I think that's where where you'll see Circle CI maybe come become more more popular like in the future. But you know, you never know. So. Okay, so in terms of motivations, to to let's let's <laughs> take a few step back for a second and talk about like okay, so we want to do. CI/CD, which means continuous integration or continuous delivery uh, or deployment, uh, which basically means that um, when we push code to like the main repository, it goes off and automatically runs all the tests, and then if everything is okay, it d- deploys the application. So. One thing that, like, when people are getting into that and transitioning into doing CD, is questions of, uh, like, they ask questions like, "What about uh, 
rollbacks? What about, uh, you know, automatically, if there is a problem, I want to go back to the, you know, last version and all that stuff. Uh, how do you find that with like Circle and Firebase and, and such? Oh, yeah. So in Circle, it's really cool because you can just, you, you basically just configure the, the job. Like you connect the job to your um, your repo and then it has like a, you can define how, like all those behaviors you're just talking about. Like in the case of rollback, what it would look like if you want to always come back to that one version or, or that kind of thing. And when you compare that to Jenkins, it's a little bit more painful because then you're having to like determine like the, the stack that it's on and like you have to figure, you have to like, it's just a lot more manual stuff, you know, and, and, and I think circle CI is kind of cool because it, it does, you know, you have one screen you, you can use, whereas like with Jenkins, you know, we have to, we use cloud bees. So like you have like the little console and, and all the, the different stuff, but then that also has to line up with the scripts that you're running. And it's just, uh, I mean, I've just always kind of had a, had a, it's always been a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, I agree. It sounds uh, cool that they have everything in one place it used to be much harder than that <laughs> right exactly i have a quick question on the deployment so you can deploy like you said from the firebase cli you mm -hmm. just run the firebase cli in circle ci to deploy or does it have some other way of doing it yeah that's all you all you're really doing so basically you you just you have to include a token like you uh you generate a token with the firebase cli and then you store it as an environment variable. And then when you run your Circle CI job, you have uh, typically you'll have a build and you'll have a deploy. Um, the build job is is exactly what you're thinking it is. It goes out, it builds your code, it runs uh, any tests you have, it caches any of the resources. Then you take um, the bundle that you you've got. I mean, I'm talking about like an Angular app, but you you take up your bundle and then you uh, uncache it in the next uh, job, which is a deploy job. And then what that does is you install Firebase and then you go, I mean, because it's all done in a Docker container, but you install Firebase and then you run the CLI and the CLI will pick up that token that I was talking about. And it's actually even cooler because it used to be that you had to manually specify to pass that in as a parameter. And now you just literally call Firebase deploy and then it, it, all, it does all the magic for you. Because you used to have to say like Firebase deploy, you know, dash dash token, whatever, and then the um, give it your environment name. Or I mean, uh, your variable name, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all it does. And then when it finishes, it outputs your uh, the link that you know you'll have for your hosting or or your um, DNS name or whatever you wherever you put your app. That makes sense. So the other question I have then is, what is your use case on this? What are you building or doing to get this up on Firebase? Because it sounds like Firebase isn't the stack. And you mentioned Jenkins already, Circle CI. Neither of them are really the stack that they're using at uh, Capital One. Well, at, at Capital One, we're using Jenkins. We're right. we're using Jenkins Cloud B. So, like, we're we we've basically got a bunch of uh, Terraform scripts that are in a that uh, are called from a set of Groovy scripts. And you know, we we have an automated setup that we're we're relying on. And and there are a couple teams that are using Circle CI, but it's still like kind of in that like early adopter phase where they're not. You know, everybody else is is basically using Jenkins. The Circle CI, the use case uh, for me, like what I'm working on, is basically like, for one thing, it's learning because it's it's nice because you you get that experience with the pipeline, so you understand like, you know, 
you need to you need to run your tests uh, in the pipeline. You need to test like dependencies, or um, or you might even like want to store the code coverage results from your unit tests. You learn that kind of stuff, but you also are able to build that up without having all of the infrastructure that you would normally need with like Jenkins. Like I like I don't need running instances of Jenkins to be able to do this. Like the I can just integrate. As, as soon as I, I connect Circle CI to my um, GitHub repo, they share SSH tokens. And whenever the commits occur, it immediately, I mean, you, you can you can specify this behavior, but um, by default, it'll immediately kick off a, a build job. And so as far as like my use case, what, what I'm doing is is learning. And then I'm also like any of anything that I do that is uh, on my own, you know, like open source work, like I mentioned, there, there's a side project I'm working on with one of my colleagues. I'm not using it for like enterprise level stuff because I'm not an enterprise. I'm a, you know, I'm just like an individual, you know, developer. But I could see a case where, you know, you have a bigger company that does use CircleCI. And if you if you use their, if you look at their site, they have a lot of, they have a lot of information about big companies that have adopted them. I don't know them off the top of my head, but they, I think there is a case to use it for that. I'm just not doing that, or at least that's not from my experience. So it's your personal stuff. It's not stuff at Capital One. Right. Do, do Capital One know about your side project or you just exposed yourself and your friend? Oh, I just, I'm, a, I'm, 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 it. that's it. I'm done. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, there, there's like all kinds of different rules that, that govern this kind of thing. And I, I'm, I'm within all of the, the compliance rules and, and whatnot, but they, but this is, this is to completely like private enterprise, completely like my own thing. And it's totally fine. Like, you know. Nice. Can I have uh, 50%? I'll go in. As soon as I start making money, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you. But uh, okay. apparently you just it, it's, it's taking money, money from me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah just yeah. transfer it. I will give you the bank details. Uh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> so you're using, okay. So you're using it for uh, separate, which is cool. I, I, I've been using Firebase uh, for a lot of uh a lot of things, mostly like, you know, POC, in the start it was POC, but um, I'm not a real like server guy. So it's fun to have something that take care of that side for you. And you can you know, like all the like scaling stuff and, you know, security and all that stuff that you still need to configure, but it's much easier than to just learn everything and, you know, be af- constantly afraid that you're doing something wrong. Right. Yeah. And that, and that was the, that was the great part for me because like with, you know, my experience, it had always been like, like you said, like I wasn't the server guy, but I was on the server team. So it was like, I was, I, I was familiar with like what was happening, but it was like, I wasn't at the end of the day, it wasn't my neck if something broke. Right. So, so the whole thing was like, if, if I was going to do stuff like on my own or, or just to learn, I was kind of struggling at first and like what has happened is that it, it really gives you room to play and it gives you room to play in a way that like you can take those skills to a bigger enterprise, but like you don't have to have all of that stuff. Like it, it, it allows you a lot of like automation and, and, you know, it, it really kind of takes care of you in a way. But what I would say was um, what I've been really impressed with is I thought the same thing. The first couple of projects I did with Firebase, like I was like, oh, this is kind of like a toy platform. You know, I, I don't think this is going to be really for real. And honestly, it is like it's it's amazing. Like the, the authentication module is like, you know, they even have like a built in uh, if you wanted to. They have a have a GUI that, that they'll, they, they create like for um, Google accounts. So all you have to do is call it. It's a whole dialogue. 
and it'll authenticate your people and like you can intercept that authentication and and you can use that for um I, I have a personal blog called rhythmandbinary.com. It's in the in the Google Doc that you guys asked me to fill out. I wrote a, a whole article about that because like you, you can secure um, like your database instance based on the uh, like uh, the UID of your, your person, which is like basically dynamically generated. But what it does is it secures it so that only that person can look at that data. So it's, it's awesome. Like it, it's and they have a lot of stuff like that where they have like data redundancy and like, um, you know, multi-layers of, like you said, like you can scale if you want, like your instances. And I haven't even touched like a lot of the um, analytics stuff. And like, that's my next like thing I was going to try to play with. And you get into like being able to, to spin up stuff that's actually using Google Analytics, which is kind of cool. Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full-stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. Joe, why are you so yes. quiet? Shy, you know me, I'm always quiet. Lurking in the dark, waiting to ask the right question. I think one, it's a little bit hard to kind of like get a grasp because everybody talks about Circle CI and how amazing it is. But then you actually like need to kind of go do it. I've done a little tiny bit with Circle CI. And I do think that their onboarding is is pretty easy, but it also sounds to me, Andrew, like you really have a big preference for it over Jenkins. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. If 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 I could convince the the folks at Capital One to use it, I that would be. Yeah. I mean, because it just like I mean, I, I like I told you. I mean, I've spent hours working on Jenkins. Or no, days working on like Jenkins, like build jobs that fail. Mm -hmm. And then the worst part is that a lot of times it happens. You know, like you'll do like a nighttime deployment. So you're sitting there on the call with like 10 people and like, you know, it's at like 11 o'clock and you start working on it. And then along about two o'clock, you realize that the problem you've been trying to figure out, you're just not going to figure out. And so then you, <laughs> you have to like, you have to, you know, roll everything back. And then you spend like the whole like next like week basically playing with Docker containers and like dev environments trying to, trying to figure out why, you know, this stuff doesn't happen. And, and half the time it's just because, you know, I mean, it's, it was really bad. One time I think we misspelled something. And we didn't realize until like like the very end that it was like it was trying to call something and it couldn't find it, but mm -hmm. it was like it was like stuff like that. That's just such a pain. So yeah, yeah, I, I uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, evangelizer, I guess you could call it for um, Circle CI. So one of the kind of impressions that I've got from Circle CI is that it's great for like small projects because it's quick and you know kind of automatic a bit, right? But what about for like these big, huge projects? You sort of seem to sound like you think it's great for even the really, really big, large enterprise scale stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I, wish, I wish that I could really have like some experience. Um, like I told you, you know, I, I know that, that there's, some, there's been some folks at Capital One that are like, you know, playing with some of this stuff. And, and I think they're even using it for, for some small things. But like, I just haven't really had that, that high level experience. And the, the feeling that I get is that, it could take, I guess, the bandwidth for that. Like, I think it could, it could take, it could support that. I just like, I, I, I haven't had the, 
I haven't had that experience yet, you know, so, but, but I get, I get the impression that they've got, you know, the infrastructure to support it. And, and I think it would be a, it would be a good experience. Gotcha. Gotcha. Circle CI also has like a ton of like integrations with other services, right? Right. So what are the, what are the specific ones that you've tried? So the majority of the stuff, like I told you, was was really just revolved around these like little projects that I'm working on. So I haven't really like I've got it working with Firebase. Uh, I got it working with, with AWS. Um, I've got it doing the I, I tried. Well, actually, I didn't go all the way through with this. But one of the, this company that Jenkins bought ship something ship. I tried that. Well, I got ready to try that. And I, I gave up on that one because I, I ended up not needing what I was trying to do. But um yeah, the the thing that I was actually kind of impressed with was uh, one of my friends that is working on an Android app. He was able to um, automate like a basically deployment for the app, and and you can you can use it to sideload um, the like early versions of his application. And he's he's actually able to to use Circle CI to do that whole process where they like deploy it to a it, when it finishes. Uh, I think my understanding is it, it actually exposes a link. And then on your Android device, you can go to the link and then it'll automatically load the app onto your um, device, you know, instead, instead of actually having to go through like the store and all that kind of stuff. But that's built in. Like you can you can integrate that. I just haven't had the, you know, the experience with it. And that's actually one of the another project that I would like to play with that I haven't um, quite got to yet. Gotcha. So have you done deployments like this to other systems? Like, I don't know. AWS or to a virtual private server or yeah I've done I've done done it to AWS so I I did one that was using uh, a CloudFront distribution and it pushed out the basically like my bundle into a S3 bucket that was then exposed via CloudFront and Route 53 and that and that was also very straightforward like they have really good documentation. So it's and then the other cool part is that um, because a lot of people are talking about it, there's a lot of like pretty solid like blog posts that are available that kind of walk through like there's there's a one of the things that I would like to play with is using ECS and that that there's a lot of talk about that. And I think they actually have a full page where they explain like how to really get that running. And that's that's the container service, which is like basically they're like Docker I don't really call it Docker Hub, but like it's basically the way they, they're they're running containers in the cloud and then you can you can deploy them with um, AWS's infrastructure between like an ALB or an EOB. And that's all built in, which is kind of cool. What were those two acronyms? Oh, um, the application load balancer and then the elastic load balancer. Application load balancer works with um, like your ECS and the elastic load balancer is, is like, a, it's, it's kind of hard to like really explain this without a, like a, a diagram, I guess. But like, it's basically like, you know, you have like one container to one instance, whereas like a, an ALB is it, it will allow you to scale multiple instances within the same most, multiple containers in the same instance because everything is about like Dockerizing like your application. So you you know you would have like like with the Elastic Load Balancer, you you would have one Docker container and and you, you know you'd have one EC2 instance, and then they and they would be and it's very oh, kind of manual, I guess. And then the application load balancer is is more where you would have uh, you could have multiple Docker containers running with your your app scaled into like one EC2 instance, and then the and so you're so it's supposedly theoretically like cheaper I guess and and there's like there's been a lot of stuff AWS has done some work with like Capital One and we've we've kind of leveraged some of this technology 
but it, it, the whole idea is you're using less cloud resources to accomplish the same goal. For me, the idea of this kind of continuous deployment just I, I just I just love having stuff be automatic. <laughs> so I don't have to think about it. It's so it's so cool. Like I mean, it, I mean, I get like it's funny because my wife makes fun of me, but like I have this thing where I uh, I set the alert so it'll email me when the deployment's finished. So like, like I could just, I, I, it's just so exciting. I don't know. Like you get, you, you know, you just do that commit and then like 10 minutes later, you, or hopefully not 10 minutes later, but like you get the little email and it's like, Oh, you know, everything's successful. And it, it's just like, it's magic, you know, and, 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 and everything's running, you know, your app is good. Everything is, is, is up there. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I guess like, you know, you always have this kind of thought, I mean, uh, you know, my experience uh, prior to all of this had always been, you know, I worked with a bunch of old guys that that manage this data center. And if you wanted a server, like it was like a, they had to go procure it, they had to go build it, they had to go, you know, hook it up. It was a huge pain. And and it's just like thinking about. I think that's why I get so excited about it because it's like I think about all of that struggle. It was all done for me with just like one button, you know. <laughs> and, and it's cheap. You know, you don't have to pay for all the stuff that you would otherwise. Yeah, that provisioning and setting up and all that stuff, that was my job when I was in college. So Yeah. I mean I mean like you know, part of me kinda like misses like some of the like the physicality of everything, like you know, being able to like actually touch the server. Sometimes I'm like I kinda miss that, but I don't know. I, I don't miss like having to, you know, install patches and walk through like um trying to upgrade like components and whatever else you might have to do. Yep, absolutely. And it's funny too, just, you know, thinking about the evolution there. So when I started working on that particular team at the university, yeah, we'd go in with, you know, a, a, a basically a box full of CDs. And then we got fancy and we got a PXE boot, which was essentially you would um, boot the install disk over the network. Right. But you're still, you're still sitting at a physical server. And then right. I remember, I, we, we did that too. I remember that. Yep, and then they uh, and then they got real fancy and they bought VMware ESX, and then we could deploy from an image sitting at our desk, right? So then I wasn't up at the data center every day. Yeah, I, I had a funny story. I remember uh, one time we had admins that were were kind of um, kind of like divas over a lot of these devices, and like I was testing in my old job. Uh, we had bought this like software system and like it required, I think like 16 cores to run or something like that. And they only allocated me like two cores. I was like, well, and it was really slow. And I was like, well, this is pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure this is why it's really slow. Like you're, you're just not, you're not allowing us to, to do this stuff. And, and I had to like go into this whole thing and the guy yelled at me and got like super upset about like having allocating extra cores. And he claimed, you know, all this like ridiculous stuff about how like it would mess up everything else because they had the same thing. They had VMware and he he was like, you know, it's going to it's going to ruin all this stuff. It's going to mess up with the resources. And finally, I got up high enough in the chain where the, the management, you know, sided with me. And then we were able to kind of override this guy. And then everything was fine. And I never heard from him again. And it was like... <laughs> But it, but it's like that kind of stuff is just crazy, you know. Because and then and now, especially in the world of the cloud, it's like you know we have those resources, and it's like you know you don't have to worry about that. And if it goes down, there's a redundant system right behind it, you know, which is just makes it kind of magical. Yep, absolutely. Well, and yeah, you know, you get something like Firebase, and you don't have to think about any of that stuff. 
Right. I mean, and that's the that's the crazy part. And then and then you 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 I mean you know the the free part is also the cool part with this. And I, and I think that's kind of one of you know Firebase's strong suits is just that they're really allowing a lot of people you know access. And it's there's not this like barrier to entry where you have to you know you have to buy all this stuff or you have to have accounts and and whatever. Yep. Now, what about getting started and learning how to co- utilize it in your project? Where did you start with that? Well, I, uh, so when I was talking to the guys at work, they were more talking about like the NoSQL database. That was like the big thing that, that I had heard about. Cause it's, it's like crazy fast. Like, it, cause they use like, um, they've, it's, I think it's called bi-directional. So I forgot the name. It's in my, in the post that, that I've got. I actually, cause I talked to, um, on Angular in depth, they, a couple of the people actually work on the, the teams that are supporting Firebase. And I was able to like actually get in touch with some of those guys and talked about how that kind of works under the covers. But basically it's like streams and it's, it's like remote state management where, you know, you, you basically, as soon as you, you create these observables that connect to um, the instances of the, of the database, then as soon as you want to like push, if you push like a change, it hits, when it hits Firebase, it pushes that change to anything that's connected to it. So like the idea would be, I guess, like if you had a bunch of, you had a mobile app, uh, and you had a bunch of different people on their phones and one person like pushes an update, all of them are going to receive it. That was kind of like what I was more interested in at first. But then, uh, when I got into the really into the hosting part of it, then, I mean, that, that like kind of had me set because with the hosting part, you can host, uh, you know, an angular app. And it's really cool because normally you have like a front end and a back end, and typically you'll have like a front end project and a back end project. And, you know, the, it's kind of a pain because you have to like, you have to deploy one to be able to connect to the other, or if you're lucky, you can, you know, wrap them together somehow. But like with this, because you have like this, the Angular Fire library and even, even the, uh, the cloud function, all you have to do is write your front end app and you've got one code base that basically serves everything. And you're able to use like, you know, the, like I said, like the database, you're able to use, uh, you know, file storage, authentication, you know, all the, all the stuff that we've been talking about. And, and it's just, it's cool because you, you don't have to maintain a backend. And, and, you know, you, you could, you could really get like into it and, and create like a full backend that, that does all that stuff and orchestrates a lot of these things. You can also just directly do that in your, your front end application and just create like a service that, that basically wraps all those calls for you. That's been a, a lot of like where I've, I've got, I've really enjoyed using it. And, that, and that's where like, I've, I've, uh, I think that's probably where I spent the most time but um, it's pretty cool. So I'm also curious then, I mean, you're deploying an Angular app, but I right. wonder is, do you, do you think this would work just as well for React or Vue or you know, some other front-end system that people are using? Yeah, so I would need to like definitely get back to you on that because like that I haven't I've like been like pure Angular. Like the stuff I do at Capital One is Angular, the stuff I do on my own is, is Angular and then I haven't really like dove into actually trying to deploy one of these other frameworks, but I will say that the process of doing this, it definitely recognizes like the bundle. So I think the whole thing is that if you can bundle your your JavaScript application in a way that that can be like you can host it somewhere and then a browser can hit it and then run with it. You know, like I'm talking and I'm talking about like something like GitHub pages or like an S3 bucket or something like that. I'm pretty sure Firebase probably could support it. 
because the experience that I've had was that that it, for the hosting, it's it's basically like literally like deploying, like you know, a bundle into a into a bucket. And so the the only problem that I really had with this was I tried doing a Node.js backend and like or Node Express, sorry, um, backend. And what happened was uh, I found out that they actually only support static pages for for Node. Now this might be like going to change and and whatever else, but as far as I understand, it's it's just like the using like the you know basically like your, your old school like static web pages and and whatever and yeah. so like that was kind of a, a little bit of a pain because i'm sitting there and i'm like i can just build out this back end however if you look at the firebase functions you realize that that is the back end you can hack the fire not well, i wouldn't say hack you, you can create firebase functions that that actually do http calls and serve the same purpose so even if you want to go out to like external api so it's like you know they they kind of build that in I would say that I don't know for sure. I would suppose that you you probably could do that. Like I can't because I, because just on the, all the experience that I've seen with um, what I've worked on makes sense to me. Because I mean, because I can't imagine it would work any other way, right? Like I mean, I mean, how how would they like be able to tell that it's a it's an Angular app? I mean, I guess you could look in the code base and like you could see that you know you could look at the way it's been packed or something, but I, I can't imagine that they would just limit that. Yeah, you build it down to the same essential thing, and then exactly. I think that's that's the way that their technology works. Cool, Joe and Shai, do you have anything else you want to ask or add? Have an unrelated question. Why have you decided to move your blog from your blog to Medium? The what do you mean? You started writing on Medium, right? Recently. No, no, no. I start, I started working on WordPress. So the so the whole thing was that like. Um, I was learning like so much stuff when I first started at Capital One that like I was trying to find a way to like document what I was learning in a way that like I would actually use because like if you're anything like me like you create notes and whatever but then that always ends up in like some folder somewhere and then you forget about it and then it takes forever to find it whereas if you like do a blog post it's like it's intentional like you have to like repeat and teach you know what you've done and then you also and then as soon as you're done you have it like in this like perfectly indexed place you can go back and you know like wordpress for example you just go do the search all all the blog you know platforms do that but so that's how i started and i didn't get into medium until the angular in depth work because you know i was perfectly happy on wordpress the thing was though the reason that i i will say that i i really enjoy medium and like what i started doing is um there, there's actually like a, a, a plugin that allows you to convert your WordPress posts into Medium. So now if I do a post on my personal blog, a lot of times I'll like uh, cross post or whatever you call it. So like I'll actually post it as, a, as just on my personal Medium account. So it's like a, you know, whatever, medium.com slash Andrew Evans. But the, but the whole thing is that Medium is really nice because you can track. It's very easy to track people and it's very easy to publicize things and it and it and honestly there's a lot of like kind of flows that i guess like it just seems to be more like i hate to say the word but pretty i guess like more it's like more attractive than than wordpress like i think you can make it attractive and you know you can do theming and whatever else but you know i've, I've enjoyed wordpress I, I support wordpress i like wordpress a lot but medium just it's just a lot it's it's just cooler i guess in a way but it's also like there's so many people on Medium doing things. It's very easy to get integrated into it and, and be part of the, the community that's doing it. 
Uh, and for me, you know, like a lot of the blogging that I do, half of it is for myself, but half of it is for like, you know, the community. One of the things that I love about being an engineer is just that like, is just learning. And, and, uh, and one of the, the best ways to learn is, is through collaboration. Like my favorite part of being in college was always just like the conversation we would have in the classroom. You know, it wasn't the, I hated tests, you know, I didn't want to do like these projects, whatever else, but like, it's just listening to like what people were learning and then like what their perspective was. I enjoyed that. And I, and that's, that's why I'm on medium now, but I'm still on WordPress. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Angular in depth is also on medium. And I think that's right. what you're seeing here. Yeah. And, that, and that's actually like, that's how it all started. Cause like as soon as I did this post, then I was like, Oh, look at all these things. Cause I read medium articles, but like I hadn't really like done a lot of posting and now it's like, I've, um, you know, I've been trying to be a little bit more intentional about that. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com angular. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Well, anything else we want to jump on before picks? No, I'm good. Me too. All right. Shy, do you want to do some picks for us then? No. <laughs> Just kidding. So my pick for this episode is the book Exploring JS, which is a great book. And um, yeah, so this is my pick. And I had another one, which is... Yeah, a YouTube video that teaches you about algorithms. So I will link to that in the show notes to anyone who is interested in that. That's it. Cool. All right, Joe, what are your picks? I think I just got one pick this week. Same thing I picked on the other show. Went and saw the movie Alita Battle Angel, and I super loved it. So if you're looking for a movie to go to, I would highly recommend that. If you listen to this right after publication, if not, it'll probably be on video. But I really thought it was a great movie. I thought it was super fun and um, just had a fun story to, to watch. But uh, that's it. That's my pick. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here with a quick pick or two. First of all, I, I swear I'm picking books like every other week, but I probably listen to a book a week. Anyway, it's just kind of the way I roll. The book that I've been listening to lately, I've really been enjoying. It's called The Effective Executive. I highly, highly recommend it to everybody. It is kind of focused on top tier management in businesses. And it talks about effectiveness and productivity and things like that. But it's really great. And if you're trying to be more productive in general, it's a terrific book. It was recommended on uh, the JavaScript Jabber episode we did with Manny Vea, who's a friend of mine. And uh, yeah, we had a long conversation about how to be more productive as software developers. So definitely check that out as well. He recommended a few other books and he's actually summarized uh, the top 50 books on uh, productivity and you can get that as a course from him. So I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. But yeah, really been digging that. And then 
The other thing that I've been working on is... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. The top 50 books on productivity, like 5-0? 5-0. It kind of sounds like what you need is the advice that if you want to be productive, don't spend your time reading 50 books. Yeah, well, he wanted to understand it, and he, uh, yeah, he summarized it all so you don't have to. Oh, oh, there we go. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that's why I invited him on the podcast in the first place. So anyway, but yeah, that was terrific. So definitely check that out. And then, yeah, the other thing I've been doing is just documenting the processes around the podcast production and sponsors and all that stuff. It's really been a powerful thing because... Once I have it documented, most of the stuff I wind up being able to hand off to my team and they take care of a ton of it for me. One book that I read about that recently is The Checklist Manifesto. I don't know if I picked that on this show. I should, I should definitely shout that out. I read that last week. So <laughs> it, it was terrific. And it's been nice to be able to just say, look, this is how we do things and then get it done. And it's also been nice because my team has given me feedback on some of it when they try it or if it's a checklist on something that they've been taking care of in one way or another for me. It's like, Oh, well you also needed to add this or, you know, uh, I think you could do this better. or We could automate this piece or whatever. So anyway, really, really digging that. So those are my picks. Andrew, do you have some picks for us? Yeah. I have been listening to a book on tape by Andy Weir. He's the guy that wrote the Martian. Um, It's called Mm -hmm. Artemis. And I highly recommend it. Um, it's really cool. It's got Rosario Dawson uh, as the voice. So it's kind of cool because you can kind of picture her in the role. It's uh, basically about like a smuggler that lives on the moon. And there's like a whole lot of stuff that happens. It's, it's, very, it's very exciting. Um, and so I would definitely recommend that. And then I guess like I would kind of put a shout out for Traversy Media. I use a lot of like, I guess the older videos that he has on YouTube uh, just for like some remedial stuff. And it's like solid. And I think he probably doesn't get a lot of attention or, or he doesn't get it. Like maybe he does get a lot of attention, but I want to give him more attention, I guess is what I should say. So yeah, so I, those would be my two picks. Nice. I read Artemis, but I didn't like it quite as much as The Martian. I did enjoy it. So it's definitely worth picking up, but I thought The Martian was a better book. Yeah, I totally can see what you're saying because I well, I just feel like The Martian, like you, you kind of had that like feeling of uh, like you were like behind him the whole time. And I think on Artemis, they're always kind of bad. So, but that's also kind of cool. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of, I haven't finished it yet. So, I'll, I'll have to let you know after I finish what I really think. Nice. Well, if people want to find you online, Andrew, where do they go? Well, you can check out uh, rhythmandbinary.com or you can follow me on, you know, Andrew Evans02 is my um, GitHub. I just got a Twitter handle. I think it's, um, hang on, I think it's Andrew Evans0102. Is that right? There, there's Andrew Evans is like such a generic name. It, it, it's crazy. Like half the time I have to like add a number, you know, behind me. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, check out rhythmandbinary.com. And, and it, that's definitely because that has links to my LinkedIn, uh, my resume, a bunch of other stuff. So Awesome. And we have, we have those links also in the Google Doc. So we'll get those posted into the show notes. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. And thank you to our panel. We'll go ahead and wrap this up and we will be back next week. Thank you for having me. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I enjoyed the conversation and um, thank you guys do an awesome job with your podcast. Thanks. Thank you very much and see you all next week. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.